0: Shadow is on the air in a new series of thrilling dramatizations brought to you each week by the Blue Coal Dealers of America. These programs are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Before we start today's Shadow story, have you ever stopped to consider that some things are worth far more than worldly wealth? Of course you have. And you and I know that friendliness can't be measured in mere dollars and cents. Friendliness is a characteristic of your blue coal dealer. He takes a friendly interest in your home heating problem, gives you friendly advice, renders a friendly service. So why not phone your neighborhood blue coal dealer first thing in the morning? Let him prove to you that the blue coal way is the easy way to heat your home. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, Is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. As the shadow, Cranston is gifted with hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's story The Isle of the Living Dead. Margot, Lamont, and Margot's aunt are on a cruise of the West Indies. It is early evening as their ship sails into the harbor of the little island of St. Jude. In spite of the thunderstorm that is in progress, Margot insists that they go ashore. Her aunt refuses. So only Lamont accompanies her as they walk down the ship's gangplank to a waiting launch.
1: Monge, you told me yourself that these tropical storms never last long.
2: But this is the rainy season, Margo. Oh, uh, Look out. One more slip and you'll swim to St. Jude.
1: Well, I don't see why they don't put escalators on these gangplanks. After all, they have them at the best department stores.
2: Mm, but the best department stores don't float. Yeah? Yeah. Let me help you into the launch. There we are. All right, pilot.
3: Yes, sir. Cut off your line.
2: Well, let's go into the pilot's cabin. Get out of this rain. All right. Go ahead, Margot. Thanks. That's it. Good evening. Kind of a rough night for you, isn't it, pilot? Maybe.
1: Well, we'll get to shore, all right, won't we? Maybe. Hmm, jolly fellow.
2: <laughs> uh. Are you a native of St. Jude? Yes. Well, it certainly looks like a beautiful place. You think so? Well, I, uh, yes... Hmm. You have been here before? Uh, no, we haven't Then wait and see before you talk
1: He must be a big help to the Chamber of Commerce
2: <laughs> uh, What's wrong with the island, pilot? One half of island good Other half belong to devil What do you mean? Look through window You see Big Hill over there? Oh, yes, I can just barely make it out That plantation belonged to Devil Lady,
4: Mrs. Nesbitt.
1: Devil Lady?
4: Yes. No one go near her
2: place. Why not? You ever hear of zombie? Zombies? Zombies, Margot, are supposed to be dead men here in the tropics who walk about with no mind or soul. Native superstition.
0: Uh, What about these zombies, pilot?
2: Are there supposed to be zombies on the plantation? Well, answer me. No talk to Pilot when he steer boat.
1: He must have read that on a streetcar someplace. Come on, Lamont, let's go out on deck.
2: Yes. Yes, all right.
1: What do you suppose he meant, Lamont?
2: About the island? Hmm. I don't know. Say, isn't that the young girl that played bridge with us on the boat? Where? That's sitting back there in the stern.
1: Yes, of course. Betty Fulton. Lamont, she's crying. I wonder what the trouble is. Well,
2: let's find out.
1: <laughs> hello there.
4: <laughs> oh, hello, Margot. Lamont.
2: Oh, anything wrong, Betty?
4: No. No. Th- that is, uh... <laughs> I'm leaving the ship. Why, Betty? I'm going to the island to look for my fiance, David Belmont.
2: Well, that shouldn't be an occasion for sadness.
4: I'm afraid that something's happened to him. That's why I'm here. That's why I've come to this sinister, terrifying island.
2: <laughs> no, now, Betty. <laughs> How do you know that something's happened to him?
4: Well, six months ago, he went to New York to find work. I heard from him regularly. And then one day I received a letter telling me that he secured a job on the island of St. Jude.
2: Now, what kind of a job?
4: Something to do with a sugar plantation. Sugar
2: plantation?
4: Lamont, isn't that the place at the pilot... Well,
2: uh, there must be more than one sugar plantation, Margot. Uh, what happened next, Betty?
4: I never heard from him again. I wrote to the steamship company and learned that he had definitely come to St. Jude, so I came to New York and booked passage on the first ship.
2: But, Betty, there might have been a mix-up in the mails oh, or any no, number... Oh,
4: no, no. I, I've heard too many strange things about the island of St. Jude... Now that I'm here and I feel the mystery of this tropical night, I'm sure something has happened to David.
1: Lamont, listen. <laughs> what is it?
2: Well, it's probably a native celebration. Why, of course. Look up there on the hill. See that faint line of lights bobbing along?
1: Lamont, that's on the plantations the pilot told us about.
2: Come on, Margo. We'll ask the pilot what all this means.
1: Oh, Lamont, do you suppose it can be zombies?
2: I don't suppose anything yet. Pilot. Uh, uh, Pilot, those lights moving along that hillside, what are they? Lights. Yes, and what are those drums we're hearing? I hear no drum. No
1: drums, but...
2: I see no light. Now, wait a minute. Are those zombies? Are they? Ask Jandi. He know. Jandi know everything. He say drum mean death.
1: Jandi. Well, who is John well,
2: we'll never learn from this fellow.
1: Lamont,
4: Margot, did you find out what those lights are? No, Betty. Oh, now you know what I mean about the island. It's taken David
2: from me. Betty, Margot and I have a day and a half to spend on this island. If it leaves your mind, we'll help you look for David. And believe me, we won't give up until he's found.
1: We should have gotten one of the natives to guide us to the Nesbitt plantation.
2: I couldn't find anyone who'd take the job. I'm all full of superstitious fear. Won't go near the Nesbitt place. I even had trouble hiring these saddle horses to make this trip tonight.
4: Is Mrs. Nesbitt the only plantation on the island?
2: Uh, no, Betty. There's one other. If we don't find David tonight, we'll visit there in the morning. Oh, look. Look ahead there. Isn't that someone standing in the road?
1: Yes. Perhaps he can tell us the way.
2: Get up. Get up there. Come on. We'll talk to him.
1: It's <laughs> little... Speed job I'm riding. Certainly must miss the old milk wagon.
2: (laughs) I say there. I uh, wonder if you can help us. We are looking for the Nesbitt plantation.
3: Nesbitt? Yes. Nesbitt plantation?
2: Yes, yes.
3: Keep away!
1: Keep
2: away! Hey, come back here!
1: Come back! He ran into the underbrush. Did you see his face, Lamont? That weird, half-starved face. Yes. Do you suppose he... You suppose he was a zombie?
2: No, please, both of you. Let's not have any more talk about zombies. The, the drums. Those same
1: drums. Oh. oh, David. David.
2: Look, over there through the trees. There's a light.
1: And near the plantation.
2: Oh, I hope so. Come on. Get up, boy. Come on. Lamont. Yes, Margot.
1: While you were hiring the horses, I asked one of the natives about the zombies and the drums. Yes. He told me that when the tom-toms played, that meant that another body has risen from its grave to wander about the Nesbitt plantation.
2: Oh, of course, that's a native superstition.
1: Yeah, I wonder. Look, there's a house right there.
2: Oh, boy, oh, yes. Well, we better leave the horses here.
1: Will we find it? Will he be here? Yeah, Betty, David's all right, and we'll find him.
2: And grim-looking place, isn't it? Here, we'll tie the horses to this tree. There we are.
1: Looks like the front door right over there, Lamont.
2: Good. Well, let's see what happens.
1: Lamont, I don't like any part of this business. Quiet here. It's almost like a. Like a graveyard.
4: Isn't that what you meant to say? Well, no, no. Well, it is. It is like a graveyard. Maybe David's graveyard.
2: I, uh. I better knock again.
1: They just don't
2: Quiet, Marco. Oh, good evening. We'd like to see Mrs. Nesbitt, please.
1: Yes?
2: Are you Mrs. Nesbitt? Yes,
5: I am. Won't you come in?
2: Well, thank you. Uh, This is Miss Lane, Miss Fulton, and I'm Lamont Cranston.
5: How do you do? How do you do? Well, I'm happy to meet all of you. Won't you come in the study?
2: Well, thank you very much.
5: Lamont, she isn't at all like that. (laughs) I'm not at all as the natives told you I'd be. Wasn't that what you were going to say, Miss Lane? (laughs) Yes, well... The Islanders love to talk about anything or anyone, and as I'm a white woman living alone. Well, I suppose I'm a good target, that's all.
3: Mistress, ma'am. Well? You need me more? No, Mondo, you may go. It's bad night tonight. I keep watch. Go, Mondo. I go.
5: (laughs) The natives are always uneasy in this
4: rainy season.
2: Yes. Uh, Mrs. Nesbitt, I'd like to explain the reason for our late visit tonight. Yes? We called on you to learn if you had ever heard of a young man here on the island named David Belmont.
5: David Belmont? No, I'm afraid I don't know oh. him. Oh, oh, I'd hope well, there's you... another plantation on the island. Have you looked for in there?
2: No, we came to you first.
5: Well, I wish I could help you, but I'm afraid I can't.
2: I see. Well, it looks like... What was that? It sounds as if it were in this house.
5: No, it couldn't be.
2: Hey, listen... That seems to come from under this room.
5: Now, don't be alarmed. I'll find out what the disturbance is. Mondo? Mondo? Look!
4: Over there at the window. Someone's looking in. That face at empty over. Oh, quiet,
5: you little fool. There's no one at the window. I... I beg your pardon. But,
1: look, look, all of you. Do you see anyone there?
2: No. No, I don't.
1: Oh, I know. I I saw someone. I... I know I did. Now, Betty, Betty, don't. Please.
5: You
2: call mistress, ma'am?
5: What was that noise,
2: Mondo? I find Johnny outside. I chase him away. But what was the noise beneath the house? Noise beneath house? Yes, those those moons. That that was hot. Then make them restless tonight. Oh, oh
5: of course. I, I'd forgotten in the rainy season. We put the horses in the cellar under this room. I...
2: Mistress, ma'am. Better tend to horses?
5: Yes, yes. I, I'm afraid you must excuse me.
2: Well, of course. Uh, we were leaving anyway.
5: Sorry to disturb you, Mrs. but Quite all right. Quite all right.
2: Mistress, ma'am, better tend to horses? Quick. Yes,
5: yes, Mondo. Good night, Miss Lane, Miss Fulton, Mr. Pansley. Good night.
2: Good and night. thank you anyway for...
1: Well, back where I come from, that's known as a bomb's rush. He almost pushed us out that door. Lamont, did you hear that servant speak of John D? Yes, And the pilot on the boat spoke of Jondi, too. Yes, that's right.
2: He said, ask John John Jondi knows everything.
1: Why do you think Mrs. Nesbitt was so upset about the horses?
2: Because they're most unusual animals, Betty.
1: What do you mean, Lamont?
2: Well, do you remember those moans we heard in the house?
1: I don't see how I could forget them. Why do you ask?
2: That was the first time, Margot, I'd ever heard a horse moan with the vocal cords of a human being.
0: More about the mystery of the Nesbitt Plantation in just a moment. Meanwhile, a word from our guest of honor, Mr. Al Demler, a blue coal dealer from Boston, Massachusetts. Let's hear what Mr. Demler considers the most important part of his blue coal service. Well, I'd say the most important part of my job is meeting and getting acquainted with my customers. You see, I'm convinced that my business relationship should be based upon friendship as well as selling America's finest home fuel. And you're certainly a real friend to your customers, Mr. Demler, when you provide them with blue coal, the fuel that gives them steady, dependable, healthful heat from cellar to attic. Yes, sir. We advise our customers that blue coal is their best buy for comfort, economy, and convenience. But we go further than that. We give them the full benefit of extra blue coal customer service. For instance, We tell them about the blue coal heat regulator, which saves them time, trouble, and money. And we show them that the blue coal way is the easy way to heat their homes and save money, too. Thank you, Mr. Demler. You're a worthy representative of the friendly blue coal dealers of America. Now, here's my recommendation. Phone your friendly blue coal dealer tomorrow. His name is listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the words blue coal. Now... Back to the Isle of the Living Dead.
2: I believe there's an inn just down the street. We can rest there before we go to the other plantation in the morning.
1: Well, it's almost morning now, isn't it, Lamont?
2: No, it's only two o'clock, Margot.
4: I I suppose it would be too much for us to go to that other plantation tonight.
2: Well, it'd be quite a journey on a night like this.
4: I've got to know... I've got to know something about
1: David soon.
2: If David isn't at the other plantation, I'd like to pay another visit to our friend Mrs. Nesbitt. Why, Lamont? Oh, boy, whoa. We'll leave the horses here. Well, someone's awake at the local inn.
1: Lamont... Why do you want to go back to the Nesda place?
2: Well, for one thing, I'd like to learn more about those moans that came from her cellar.
1: They did sound human.
2: They were human, Margot.
1: What about this man, Jondi? The one who knows everything.
2: I very much enjoy meeting him, Margot. Well, uh, shall we go in? Coming, Betty?
3: Yes. (laughs) Well, well.
1: Nightlife on St. Jude's
2: which seems to consist of one large bar and piano, two small tables, and some local bar flies.
1: Well, at least we're out of the range. Ooh, I don't know whether I want coffee or a clothes ringer. <laughs> Marco, I don't know how to
4: thank you both for practically risking pneumonia just for my sake. Oh,
1: that's all right, Betty.
4: But
1: well, here, let's not stand here and drip all over the floor. If we must make puddles, let's do it at the table. <laughs> yeah. What's going on over there? I don't know. They're...
2: Seems to be a crowd gathered around someone at the end of the bar.
1: Watch him do this one. Well, what are we waiting for? Oh, come
2: on, Betty.
3: Look, Lamont. Center of attraction seems to be one of the natives. Yes. So what's he up to?
2: His eyes closed, swaying back and forth
1: in rhythm. And that stupid grin on his face. He's saying something, he?
0: listen. Well, I can't, old boy. I really can't. Don't you know? I mean,
1: why, quite why, he talks uh, like a cultured Englishman. So
0: sorry, so sorry and all that. But,
2: uh, <laughs> oh, go on, give us some more. That's not enough. Look. Look, he's holding out his
4: hat and they're putting
1: money in more Money? More money? Right amount, please? More That's more money. odd.
4: Now he's talking
2: in a native voice.
1: And just a moment ago, he spoke like an Englishman. Let's find out about this.
2: I uh, beg your pardon, sir. Yes? Uh, Who is this man? Oh, just one of the natives. Yes, but his speech. uh, First he spoke perfect English, and then he reverted to a guttural native voice. (laughs) That's why we're throwing money in his hat. Now, this man is a sort of half-witted drunkard. He's a character around these parts because he's been gifted with a remarkable talent for uh, imitating any sound he hears. Oh, I see. I've been told of such cases. Uh, it's rather uncanny when you first hear it. Yes, I should say it is. Now, uh, look, he's working up another imitation. You see, he sings.
3: Hey.
0: Hey, I, I just stuck in here for a quick pick-me-up. Now, don't, for heaven's sakes, tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> he just impersonated <laughs> Clancy, the storekeeper. It's was perfect, too.
1: Isn't he amazing, Lamar?
0: Yeah. Uh, most folks feed him liquor and money to keep up on the local gossip.
1: You see, he repeats anything he's
2: heard in the voice of the person who said it. Well, it. Marty...
0: More money for Yandy. Jandy? Did he say Jandy? Yes, that's his more name. More money, more money for Yandy. Lamont, he must be the one
1: that was more around the Nesbitt money. place tonight. The one the pilot money. spoke to us about. Money. Yes, for Jandy.
3: Jandy. Money, money for Jandy.
1: Give him some money, Lamont. Money. Let's see what happens.
3: All right.
2: Uh, Jandy. Uh, uh, here's some money for you.
3: Uh,
2: Jandy, listen to me. Uh, Can you talk like Mrs. Nesbitt, the plantation owner? Mrs.
3: Nesbitt. Mrs. Come on, Chandy. Lamont, he's closing his eyes. swaying back and forth. Yes.
2: I
1: think he's going to talk. Listen.
5: Listen closely to me, do you hear?
2: It's Mrs. Nesbitt's voice. Exactly.
5: This night on, you're my slave. You must obey me. You have your orders. Now do as I command.
1: Lamont, who do you suppose she was
2: talking to? Quiet, Margot. He hasn't finished. Yes, mistress. Yes, mistress, I do
1: as you
3: command.
4: Lamont. Betty? <laughs> Betty, what's
1: the
2: trouble, Betty?
3: Where is he?
4: Where is he? Who, Betty? That that, that man, John Day. Why, he's...
2: Uh, where did he go? Uh, he just ran out.
4: No. I'll oh, no, find him. Find him. Well, what is it,
2: Betty? Why do you want John Day?
4: Because that, that, that voice... That voice that answered, Mrs. Nesbitt, was my fiance, David.
5: Mondo? Yes, mistress, ma'am. What's that lantern you're carrying? Keep it dry. Yes, mistress, ma'am. Rain and no rain. They're going out into the fields and work. Crop will be ruined if they don't. Oh, swine, eating my food, caring for them. Mondo, what's that lantern? Yes,
3: mistress, ma'am.
5: All their false rains have come, and they'll suffer for it. They'll be punished. We must hurry, Mondo. drug will wear off. I don't give each another injection. Ah, no. no.
3: Mondo, no like to be around when you stick needles in men's arms
5: Mondo, open that cellar door No,
3: oh, no, 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 make me go in with them
5: I said open that cellar door No,
3: mistress, ma'am, I, no, no, not be with ma'am that. I, I open, I open Close it quickly
5: Quiet, you fools Now listen to me, all of you I don't expect you to know what I'm saying, but listen anyway. You understand that you're no longer men, you're swine in chains, bound together. Filthy cattle who labor in the cane fields under my command. For two days now it's rained. Because of that rain you haven't worked. You've eaten my food, you've gotten my care, or my crops running in the fields.
3: Please, I can leave here. Mistress ma'am.
5: Quiet, Mondo. I only keep all of you alive because I save money using you to labor for me instead of native help. Fortunately, the silly superstition of zombies has kept all people away, and now you've brought this rain, so I'm going to punish you for it. Before you go to the fields, you're gonna feel the lash of a whip across your back. We'll see how the smile like this. No. 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 Snapp, no,
3: no we can no. Something bad no. may happen. You idiots, come here Come here They do not obey.
5: They must obey. Come here to me, I command you. <laughs>
2: what
5: was that?
3: They no
2: longer obey your commands, Mrs. Nesbitt.
5: Who speaks? Who talks to me? Has one of you broken the spell?
2: I spoke, Mrs. Nesbit, but I'm not one of your slaves. Who are you? Men call me the Shadow. I can see no one. He speaks. I see no one. I'm standing right beside you, Mondor. No, no, no one beside me. My hypnotic powers make me invisible to your eyes.
5: What do you want? Why are you here?
2: I've come to free these men from the evil spell that you've cast upon them.
5: No. No, you have no business here. Get out! Get out! <laughs>
2: <laughs> My power frightens you, Mrs. Nesbit. Frightens you because it's far greater than yours. No,
5: no, no one has greater power than I. Mondo sees this man. Listen for the location of his voice and
2: seize him. Yes, Mondo, come on. Seize me, if you dare.
3: Oh, no, Mondo, no like voice. Mondo, no one to be near, boys. Mondo, run away from boys.
5: Mondo, Mondo come back
2: here. <laughs> Your faithful Mondo has deserted you, Mrs. Nesbitt. He's not only deserted you, but he's also locked you in the cellar with the slaves you've so cruelly treated. Oh, no, no. And they're becoming restless, Mrs. Nesbitt. Perhaps they feel that the power you hold over them is not as strong as you've led them to believe <laughs>
5: No, let me out of here. Come on now, now open that door.
2: That door will remain locked until you tell me the secret you've used to turn these poor creatures into living dead men. Slaves who move and act like animals. I
5: can't, I can't tell you
2: that. The men are becoming more restless, Mrs. Nesbitt. Soon your power will wear off altogether. And when it does, I must warn you... It would be futile for me to attempt to save you from their mad rage. No, no. Hear them? You haven't much time, Mrs. Nesbitt. You
5: can't keep me locked up in here. and You must let me out.
2: I cannot release you. till you tell me what you've done to these men? All
5: right. All right, I'll tell you. I've been feeding them a drug. A secret drug that I discovered here on the island. I
2: thought so. Is there an antidote for that drug? No, no,
5: it's not necessary. Unless it's administered daily, the effect wears off. Now, please, let me out of here.
2: Not yet, Mrs. Nesbitt. First, you must tell me who these men are. Some of
5: them are natives. The others are white men that are hired in the state.
2: And you gave them this drug and put them to work in your fields as slaves. Isn't that right? Yes. And you created the superstition of zombies and the tom-toms just to keep away anyone who might be curious about your activities.
4: Yes. Yes, now let me out of here. I must learn
2: one more thing. Is one of these men David Belmont? Answer me. Is he among them?
4: Yes. yes.
5: Help me. Open the door. You promised me. Please, Shadow.
2: I keep... My
3: promise.
4: Shadow! He's run between me and the door. They're powering my way. Shadow! Shadow, are you still there? Shadow!
5: Shadow! They're moving towards me! Out of the door! Nothing in it! Give me a
1: the boat, Lamont.
2: Yes. I, I want to thank you again, Mr. Cranston, for all that you've done for Betty and me. Oh, don't mention it, David. Goodbye, Betty.
1: Goodbye.
4: And remember, we, we'll see you soon in the States. All, all right. right, Betty. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Watch your step, Margot. Right, i getting into the launch. That's it. All
3: aboard, sir. We'll go out
2: to
1: the ship now. Well, Lamont, I can't say that I'm sorry to be bidding farewell to the dreamy little Isle of St. Jude.
2: <laughs> it wasn't dull, Margot. No. Uh,
1: I'm glad that the authorities cleared the men of any responsibility for Mrs. Nesbitt's death.
2: Well, it was easy to prove that she died of shock. A shock induced by fear of the living dead men that she herself had created.
1: Yes. Well, I've settled one point in my mind, anyway. Oh? What's that? The only zombies that I ever want to see again are the kind they serve in a nightclub in a long, cool glass. <laughs>
3: And now it's time for John Barclay, America's Home Heating Expert. Mr. Barclay. Thank you, Ken Roberts, and good evening, friends. I'm not much on writing letters, but I certainly like to get letters from you folks. And I get hundreds of them, too. Yesterday I received a letter from a lady up in Connecticut who has trouble heating a second-story room on the north side of her house. Well, folks... Problem like that is just duck soup for a blue coal John Barkley trained serviceman. And after he's sized up the situation, that serviceman can explain in plain everyday language just how to economically overcome this particular problem. It's really very simple. What's more, he's showing blue coal customers every day how to save thousands of needless trips to the basement. And he'll help you, too, to cut down the cost of heating your home. This information won't cost you one penny. So why not take advantage of this extra customer service made possible by your friendly blue coal dealer? Just phone him tomorrow and tell him your problem. I thank you.
0: Don't fail to listen to next week's program. The Oracle of Death. Mont Cranston encounters one of the strangest adventures of his career. After having received a death threat, Cranston is quietly waiting in his study for the killer to make his appearance. Hmm. Eight o'clock. Well, we will soon know. Four.
2: Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Well. It appears to be one time that our young man's prophecy didn't work as he thought. Well, I could use a good night's... Yes? Well, what do you think you're... (laughs) That's
0: for luck, Cranston. Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by the Shadow Magazine. The characters' names, places, and plots are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
2: The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows.
0: (laughs) Next week, same time, same station, the Blue Coal Dealers of America bring you another thrilling adventure of the shadow. So be sure to listen. And be sure to phone your friendly Blue Coal Dealer. For greater heating comfort at less cost. This is Ken Roberts saying, keep the home fires burning with blue coal.